Welcome to WDFG, Dear Final Girl Radio, the advice and horror podcast where life problems have an answer. Now here are your hosts, Lori and Tamara. Hello. Hello, Final Girl. Hello, Final Girl. How's it going? Oh, it is, uh, it is going, um, you know, doing our thing in isolation, right? Yep, we are. We are again recording remotely. Um, we get to see each other uh, <laughs> by video, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are, yes, we, we are not. We are not recording. Uh, we, we are definitely recording um, well outside the six foot minimum safe distance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And this episode, um, I believe when it airs, it will be mid-April, and we will likely, well, we will. We we are all going to be living under the same reality that we have been for the past several weeks, um, still maintaining social distance, still not trying to, I mean, not even not trying, just not, don't go anywhere. (laughs) I'm not going anywhere. You know, we we both have, you know, limited our own trips and interactions, and um, that that will still be the world that we are living in when this episode airs. So. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's funny. Uh, we bought a new house at the end of March, and uh, we will be maybe moving into that house next weekend. <laughs> it's... Um, it's super weird because we've kind of met neighbors, but like from far away and, uh, you know, Max was kind enough to write people a note and put it in their mailbox. Um, like, hi, (laughs) we're here, uh, but we're not here. And also like, there's no expectation that, you know, you have to come over and say hi. So um, that was very, that was very thoughtful. That was very thoughtful. Max is a thoughtful guy. Uh, I was like, oh, I should bake something. No, nobody's nobody's bringing baked goods anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. We can, you know, we can all live without, you know, homemade welcome to the neighborhood brownies for a while. It'll be okay. Yeah. Well, so uh, I, like everyone else, started my own sourdough starter uh, to, you know, start making bread uh, that I can't eat because I can't eat bread with gestational diabetes. It just like makes my blood sugar spike real high. Um, So uh, my starter has, it's been about three weeks in the making and I might might be able to actually bake my first loaf of bread tomorrow. We'll see. Fingers crossed. That's very cool. It's supposed to take seven days for the starter to mature. Five days. (laughs) Oh, it reminds me of... There was a thing that went around when I was like a kid, and it definitely... Well, a kid and also a young adult. It predated me, though. There used to be like this friendship bread Uh uh-huh you remember that and people would share the starter you know you'd get it in a jar and Mm -hmm. I was in college at the time and just being like oh please god don't let me be the one to like break the friendship chain here (laughs) 
It's like a chain letter, but with a lot of responsibility. And carbohydrates. Oh, yeah. Mm, delicious. Well, I'm not making bread, but I have been eating a lot of chips lately. So oh. mm, mm. I'm trying to, I'm trying to like self, self uh, moderate though. I bought like a bag of like the little individual snack size chips. <laughs> yeah. And I will just have a little snack size bag of chips, you know, once uh-huh. a day or maybe once every couple of days. And my friend Rebecca thought it was really cute that I wasn't eating more than one a day. And I'm like, well, there have been a couple of days that I've done that. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. I used to do that. Like I, you know, if I get Cheez-Its or something, God, because I could just sit there and eat an entire box, top to bottom, just open it yeah. up, and then all of a sudden it's gone. Um, but I would put it <laughs> put it in a little Ziploc snack bag and bring it to bed with me and eat crackers in bed. Nice. As an adult, yeah. <laughs> yeah eating, the whole eating crackers in bed thing. <laughs> well, you know, all of the crumbs are in your mouth. It's not a, yeah. Cheez-Its aren't like saltines where you're exploding <laughs> that would be better like because i've been consuming uh a lot of triscuits <laughs> and those would, those would not be good in bed no because no. You'd, you'd be getting all the little wicker weeds you know all over you sticking, right. sticking on your butt and all kinds of stuff um there was a good twitter thread recently about how the name Triscuit like was lost to the ages like what the try and Triscuit really stands for I can't remember what they figured out it meant but I think they have now put the definition on the box again because I was looking at the side of the box and they're like oh they're deconstructing the Triscuit for me (laughs) and I can't remember what it says right (laughs) it's still gonna be a mystery yeah welcome our virus overlords yes just kidding no i don't (laughs) (laughs) well they're 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 not here they don't really care whether we welcome them (laughs) yeah that's a good point yes but um we have been as a result doing some episodes that um um don't focus on the normal letters that we receive um, from our listeners and just focusing really purely on movies that tap into that that virus vibe you know (laughs) yeah reflecting the times in which we live (laughs) uh so this this week's episode uh is on the movie cabin fever this is the 2016 version correct it is the 2016 version you and i were debating which one to watch and the 2016 was free so we picked that one right (laughs) which uh max was like i think i saw the 2003 version you know a while ago when it came out and it was one of the worst movies i'd ever seen and this one actually is not that bad like the acting is pretty good the like the direction like it's all it's you know it's a it's like they spent some money on this 
I actually thought the same thing, and then I got curious as to, well, I mean, it was just one in 2002, 2003. Uh-huh. Why is there another one already? Although, that's a difference of, what, 16 years, for, or yeah, like almost 16 years, mm-hmm. which that's like... That's like practically two generations when it comes to horror and remakes. Like, uh-huh. that's really a long, long time. Um, but I did get curious about it. And I did um, Google, like, Cabin Fever 2002 versus 2016 version. And came across an article which basically said the exact opposite of what we we're saying. That while the 2016 version... They, you know, it was clear they put more money into it. The uh-huh. production values were higher. It was just kind of more polished. Um, this person felt that the the earlier film was superior, and then went on to really kind of eviscerate the 2016 version. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I just watched this and spent two hours writing really complimentary things about it. So, (laughs) you know, I don't know if I have horrible taste in movies or, you know, this is just to each his own. But I actually thought that it was a decent flip. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There is a lot of gore, a lot of like meat shutting off well okay before we get into that um let's do a very quick overview right yep uh real quickly the top level the ten thousand foot view you can tell i've been on a lot of business calls lately so from a ten thousand foot view let's um uh so let's start uh walk that back and double click on the um Sorry, I'm trying to do business speak and it's stupid. Okay, so uh, a bunch of friends who are like in college or just out of college go on vacation to a cabin at a lake um, and they get a flesh-eating virus. Um, yes. The... Yeah. Uh, hilarity ensues. Yeah. Say, so. yeah, exactly. Go, but go ahead, be my guest. <laughs> yeah. Um, the there's also sort of the mix of like uh, the the outsider, uh, you know, coming in and the locals being um, like hostile to tourists, um, yeah. which was not helped in. You know, one of the opening scenes when Bert, who is my least favorite character here. Mine too. <laughs> wait, was it Bert? Is Bert the, the skinny... Yeah, he's Bert's, the goofy one. Right, he's the he, goofy one. The, he's that class clown character, you know. Right, right, right. Sorry, I think it's it was Jeff, who is Marcy's boyfriend. So there's Karen, who hooks up with Paul. Marcy, who's already dating Jeff, and we see her boobs in the first, like, 15 minutes of the film. Um, mm-hmm. And then Bert, the fifth character, who's the goofy um, video gamer. Um, but in the opening scene, when they come through this, like, um, uh, gas station, basically, and stop to pick up beer, Jeff calls some guy deliverance yeah it's like oh god yo deliverance yeah what's what's you know 
come back here and explain yourself. It's like, whoa, like, okay, these guys are assholes. Like, there, there were not very many redeeming qualities about the main characters. No, no, I, I did, I did find, um, I actually did find some of them more consistently kind of empathetic than I felt, I feel like I often encounter in these kinds of films. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, the, the, the deliverance reference, you know, they're, they're, they're like the city folk coming in to the country. So you've got that whole urban versus rural, you know, difference in, difference in mentality, that theme. Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, as we relate this film to, our present circumstance of um, of COVID and spread and response to, you know, you can you can see some of that come out. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You can definitely see some of that come out. Um, I saw, you know, it, it may be kind of early to talk about this, but um, you know, with COVID, it's like the, there's this spike in gun sales. Right? There's like data that is showing the spike in gun sales. And it's sort of like, well, how is that going to help you fight the virus? Not really clear right. on that one. But, you know, the, and, and the tie for this film, too, is that I feel like that is, there's, an, a, there's, a, there's a, an assault rifle yeah. that the gamer burnt uh -huh. Uh -huh. basically brings on the trip and everybody's like, what the fuck? Why have you brought this assault rifle? We're, we're not going to need that. Right. And it, it, it figures like very largely in the film. Yep. Um, I mean, these people end up shooting that thing off left and right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, and as a matter of fact, that's one of the, Kind of well, well. One of the the precipitating crises is that when the film opens, we've like immediately got like this series of kind of jump scares. There's just this random guy in the woods, mm -hmm. and he's caught. He's caught like this rabbit or something yeah. for dinner. It seems like he's kind of a hermit or spends a lot of time out there. He's walking back to his campsite. You know, really excited to tell his dog, whose name is Pancakes. <laughs> Pancakes! <laughs> like, hey, hey, Pancakes, you know, I got dinner for us. Well, something has uh, has already gotten to poor Pancakes. Um, <laughs> Pancakes was one dinner. Of the first, you know, that's like the first gory scene that we see. Mm -hmm. um, this guy uh, makes an appearance later. Um... Very early in the film, uh, the friends are starting to settle into their, you know, little adventure in the woods. The gamer guy, Bert, is like, he really misses his gaming, so he's going to, like, go out in the woods with his assault rifle and kind of, and he's pretending like he's doing, like, interactive online gaming with friends. Yeah. And basically, this guy that we meet in the opening of the film. Cousin Henry. Yeah, Cousin Henry uh, appears out of nowhere, and Bert shoots him. Um, but it also appears that the gunshots are the least of Cousin Henry's concerns because yeah. he is the first uh, victim of this 
this flesh-eating bacteria. Yeah, the first human victim, anyways. The first human victim, yeah, first human victim. Yeah, so this is something that I didn't really understand, and it was Cousin Henry gets shot in the woods, and then, like, he's, he's already, like, being eaten alive by this flesh-eating virus, and then he gets shot... And you can see bullet holes like in his torso and chest area. And then he comes back, you know, several hours later after dark and is like... They're a cabin. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like... Everybody else, it seems really accelerated. I guess not. I guess Karen lingers for a while. Oh, in terms of like how quickly the characters die? Yeah. Yeah, but it was interesting because I thought, you know, when when Cousin Henry pops up in the woods and Bert accidentally shoots him, again, it's very clear that, I mean, this, this guy is already being, like, consumed by this, this, mm-hmm. this virus. And he's like, help me, help me. And Bert is like, I'll, you know, he's like, I will go get help. And then he, do- he doesn't. Like, I, I, maybe I should not have been shocked. Maybe I should not have been shocked, but I was shocked. I was like, he just didn't do anything. He came back and just, you know, went back to his friends, didn't say anything. And then, hey, surprise, surprise, Cousin Henry ends up back on your doorstep. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you know, the chickens have come home to roost. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Well, and I don't think he even tells anyone that he shot cousin henry in the first place until after they the next day when they have gone to the ladies like um slaughtering a pig they find a neighbor who is slaughtering a pig and she's like oh this meat is rotten blah 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 you know um, that was that scene was nuts. I was like, this is like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Motel Hell, like all rolled into <laughs> one. I did think this movie was smart about its references. I uh-huh. felt like there were a number of things like that. Uh-huh. Uh, but go ahead, go ahead. Oh well, uh, it wasn't until like Jeff, the and Bert were walking back to their cabin that Jeff says, I can't believe you shot cousin Henry. And Mm -hmm. like, I'm guessing that at that point, Bert has been like, Oh yeah, we gotta go. Yeah. I did that. Raise my hand. I did it. Right. (laughs) Um, You know, now at that point, at that point in the film, um, so, so when, when cousin Henry comes to the cabin, um, you know, it's like you can't, you can't help, you can't help but think about, like, the virus, you can't, I mean, he's, like, spitting blood, he is just absolutely spraying blood Uh from his mouth, he's clearly infected with something horrible, um, I mean, it's just, the, the whole film is really about, um, you know, what, how can we help? What do we do? How do we also protect ourselves? Yeah. What's the right thing to do? What's the humane thing to do? 
and it, or humane, you know what I mean? Like what, what is, what is just like the taking care of your fellow human thing to do? Yeah. Um, but every character, I mean, once they are infected, they are just like fountains of disease. I yeah. mean, they're infected blood and you know, I, what what would anybody do differently in that situation except it seems like they all of them in every situation they make it worse like cousin henry dies because they end up setting dude on fire yeah um and jeff the the you know kind of college prep douchebag guy uh-huh. even says at one point well like you know because they're all kind of reckoning with with what's happened, what they've done, what they didn't do. And cousin Henry has run off like flaming and I think goes into the lake. Yeah. And Jeff says something the next day, like, well, you know, he's, he's probably like got put out by now. Like he's probably not on fire. Yeah. And he's probably dead. You know? uh, <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, we would have noticed if he weren't dead yet. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, that was the frustrating thing for me because I don't feel like there was a reveal that, or an obvious reveal that Cousin Henry had gone directly into the lake. Uh, but, you know, there were there was enough visual foreshadowing where yeah. it was like these pictures of the pristine lake and everybody swimming in it and all that sort of stuff. And you know it's going to get in the water and nobody figures it out until Paul um, finally is walking around. And he's like, oh, no, it's in the water. Don't drink the water. Um, and it's so interesting how, like, there seemed to be, before we learn that it's in the water, well, yeah, before before we learn absolutely that it's in the water, uh-huh. what I found interesting, and again, you know, just trying to relate it to our current situation, and and even, re- even really I thought back to the beginning of the AIDS epidemic where people truly had, in the beginning, did not, did not know for certain how the virus spread. Right. And then there was such fear that... Um, you know, a lot of theories about just how you can get it from casual contact, mm-hmm. not even sexual. It can just be because you live in the same household. It's, it's again, casual contact. Mm-hmm. So I thought the film presented, um, like all these different, different ways and that maybe there were m- multiple ways. Um, uh, we didn't know that the main source was the water, but you've got people biting each other. Yeah. You've got sing you've got sex you've got animals you know and so there's all these means of of transmission right um i I thought that was i thought that was interesting but i think they did without saying it i mean somebody would go to drink the water and it would be sort of a close-up shot and you're like yeah it it just feels like you shouldn't be doing that (laughs) it feels like right right (laughs) yeah um the um And at the beginning, they were like, oh, I I bet you couldn't go the whole weekend just drinking beer. And I was like, God, I feel like I've done that before. (laughs) But but, um, 
you know, and then uh, Paul calls uh, Bert out at one point where Bert's drinking a glass of water and they call attention to it like you just lost the bet. You know, um, I, I think that that was probably the what you were saying about um, the multiple methods of transmission. Like there was there were a lot of shots of this pristine lake with sort of the ominous music over it, which is kind of like, I feel like it's how I've been feeling lately in that everything is normal. You go to the grocery store and everything's normal except for the shelves are empty and everybody's wearing masks. And like... You know, I go to work, I go do work every day and all of that is normal. But then there's like this low level anxiety. So it was, it was interesting to me to kind of like feel all of that in a movie and kind of like, I wasn't scared in this movie. It wasn't like, um, and maybe it's because we've just been going through a very similar thing. Um, you know, I, I, there were jump scares and, you yeah. know, logging trucks, which are always terrifying. Uh, and I, I guess, you know, we watched Pet Cemetery recently where the logging truck comes by and you're like, oh, good. Um, that was one of the ones that I thought surely that was an intention because I mean the, the original Pet Cemetery was what eighty nine, uh-huh. um, so even if the the, the Pet Cemetery remake came out before Cabin Fever, but I thought just that random I mean all of a sudden like there's this logging truck yeah. that's going by in the background yeah and it's right behind the creepy kid mm-hmm. the creepy the creepy the creepy deliverance kid yeah <laughs> sorry to call the that, bunny mask yeah he's wearing a, a, a bunny mask Ugh. um don't yeah, you know so, this kid bites like fuck no i don't oh know your God. child bites <laughs> this is the funny thing is i mean at the very beginning we, we know this movie is going to be about a flesh-eating uh-huh. virus or bacteria Within the first five minutes of the movie, one of the main characters is bitten. And, I mean, you're thinking, oh, okay, that's how it starts. That's how it starts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it wasn't that at all. It never was. No. It never was that bite. But I thought that it was really interesting that it, that it started that way. Yeah, uh, I wish I had thought longer on the bunny mask like what is that supposed to mean um i i don't know i don't know because it shows up again in the end at the end of the movie the kid in the bunny mask shows up like in the uh in In the the woods. woods yeah in the woods, like behind behind Paul, when he's he's dying, he's the last I think of the major characters to die. Um, and yeah, I I thought the same thing. It's like I know there's I know there's a lot of symbolism probably with this bunny mask that I should be thinking of. I mean, with with 
like paganism. I mean, wasn't the rabbit a sign of, wasn't that, I mean, that's like fertility, right? That's why like, you know, so there's, there's, there's a sense of like, well, the rabbit is normally like fertility and growth. Um, but I don't, you know, that's, that's not, that's not. Yeah. Maybe it's a Donnie Darko reference. Other than, yeah, exactly. Uh, I haven't seen Donnie Darko, but I know there's a rabbit in that. Yep, yep. I, you know what else I thought about in the logging truck is Final Destination. Yes, because that bus comes at the end and just like. No, there's a whole scene. Maybe it's Final Destination 2. I don't know. Let's get Devin Sawa on Twitter. Um, but there's a. Isn't it Final Destination where the logging truck spills all the logs and all of the, um, on the cars on the highway? Oh, I didn't remember that. I think I was thinking about the bus okay. that wiped out one of the main characters like, right at the end. The girlfriend, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a jump scare that got me, like, and I'm a squealer in the, uh, in the theater and <laughs> and a crier like a, a sobber <laughs> so. me too me too lots of sobbing like. um, not in this movie though um, i did think that it was interesting that okay so you know the film the film progresses you know in in unexpected ways i mean it's basically like <clears throat> when is the group going to start breaking down right um you know, who's going to get infected? Um, how quickly is it going to get passed from one person to the next? Um, at what point are they going to start, you know, seeking independent solutions? When are they going to start? Um, when, are the, when is the cohesion of the group and the, and the friendships going to start breaking down? When are they going to start turning on one another? Um, and every, you know, every man and woman for him or herself. Right. And, and all that happens, all that happens. I did find, look, this is just, this is just a common thing that happens in horror movies. People do really stupid things. Um, they, you know, they, they set off on their own. They don't generally find the solution they're looking for mm -hmm. and they come back and join the others and they're just like not forthcoming at all about anything that happened. <laughs> right. um, they're, they're never telling each other the truth right. about, you know, who they've encountered and what happened. And even when they encounter really kind of multiple po possible sources of help, it just seems like they abandon them really quickly you know something happens and then it's like well no we can't that, that's dried up we can't pursue that solution and i i found it i mean this happens in horror movies all the time and i this is probably the first movie i can't believe you know in all the years i've been watching but I, this really just was pissing me off frustrating the hell out of me you know yeah. it's like come on like let's see let, let let's see one possible path okay to its end, let's 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 try to do everything that we can do there, all right, before we just start scattering everywhere and 
doing random other things, you know, it's too logical. (laughs) Right. Like even, so Deputy Winston. Oh gosh. Um, Weirdo. Weird character. Yeah. You got to stay and party. And like, she didn't want Paul to come away with her. But, like, somebody should have gone with the sheriff into town. Come on. Like. Exactly. Because at that point, they did not have a running vehicle. And (laughs) here is this member of law enforcement, no matter. Okay, so this, 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 this female, this female deputy sheriff ends up on the scene. Right. And she's like, you know, very highly sexed and wants to like party and jump Paul's bones. Right. And um, I, she, she seems a very, yeah, very strange character. But here she is. She's got a working vehicle. And they're just like, yeah, can you, can you call a tow truck? And she's like, yeah, you know, I can get one here tomorrow after it's like, go with her. Get, get it. Somebody get in that car. Yeah. If I can go with her into town. Problem solved. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, as much as I hated Jeff, the 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 preppy guy, he, you know, there was this point where he said, any of us could have it. I'm not sleeping near any of you. I'm not eating any food that you make. I'm like, yeah. so he's trying to segregate himself. And actually... Jeff is the one who lasts the longest because at the end he comes back and he sees his girlfriend who's been eaten by the dog and all of the townies and he sees Bert having been shot in the head and then he's like walking down to the lake and you can he go raises his hands in the air and he's like I beat it I won, you know, I'm the last one. And then he sees it on his hands and Winston, Deputy Winston, takes him out. Yep, just shoots him right in the head. Yep. I think. <laughs> Which finally I was like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> finally. I'm glad he didn't make it. But Well, it was interesting all the coping mechanisms, right? So mm-hmm. like, you know, we... And I think, you know, this, this relates, this relates back to our very real life situation of how people, how people are coping, um, with, with this new, I mean, with this disease pandemic that we are living with, how are people handling isolation? How is it affecting people's ability to, to take in information, to process it, to make good decisions, to communicate well. Um, and it's, and, and what had it, and, and, you know, as it relates to, there, there's a lot of different ways to cope, right? So, mm-hmm. um, Jeff, the, the kind of college preppy guy, uh, not only does he isolate himself, which is not, frankly, you know, a, a bad strategy, but he he takes all the beer. So his thing <laughs> is like, I'm going to go be by myself and get wasted, and that's how I'm going to deal with this. You know? <laughs> right. um, 
And then two of the other characters, who there's no evidence earlier in the film that they're they're going to hook up at all. Yeah. Um, all of a sudden, it's like, hey, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Let's get busy with each other. Um, so then, you know, those two characters are having, I guess, this life-affirming sex at the end of the movie, which backfires, by the way, <laughs> because... Um, it's, it's Paul and Marcy who end up having sex toward the end of the film. He scratches her back. I mean, clearly, if she wasn't already vulnerable, you know, I feel like the integrity of her skin could have withstood the, uh, yeah. the, the, the sex play there. But pretty soon, her flesh starts falling off after that. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like, okay, I get it. You're stressed out, whatever, but there's a flesh-eating virus and you get in the bathtub and start shaving your legs like yes. that made no sense to me other and max who was watching the movie with me was like i mean they paid for the lady to show her boobs so and i was like oh that's a really good point like you know they got the actress who's gonna show her tits so we might as well get as many tit scenes in as possible um but it also it gave it gave us some pretty good like gore scenes with like skin just peeling off um she loses her nipple at one point in the bathtub yeah i oh is that what that was yeah because when she's walking i guess this is really smart on the part of the filmmakers because she walks out basically naked after having taken this like, you know, skin peeling bath and <laughs> talk about exfoliation. Uh, sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> lame. Um, but she walks outside and she's screaming to Paul, I guess. Um... And she, she's having lost her nipples in the bath, they could put um, basically a bathing suit over her uh, of blood so that when she walks out, she's not, you know, entirely nude. She's got <laughs> like little, little nipple pasties of blood and a little bikini exactly. of blood. Um and I did think it was an interesting way. It was sort of like, I mean, the, the first thing I thought is like, okay, maybe she had a certain number of contractual, you know, boob shots. <laughs> yeah. And part of it was like, I'm not doing a third one. You're going to have to cover them up somehow. So, you know, we'll have to put these blood pasties on them. <laughs> right. But I did find myself thinking about the transformation of her of her sexuality uh-huh. and her womanhood because she's the only character um, who's because we don't see Karen's breasts right no no that's right because when she when she and Paul are going to get it on because uh, <laughs> that's that's when we that's when we find out she's got it because he's basically fingering her i'm just using direct language here he's basically starting to finger her and she's like ow ow that hurts and then all of a sudden she's got like a 
blood between her legs, and you can see the skin is gross. And yeah. Also, Paul took a while when she was like, "Ow, ow, that hurts." Stop. Paul took a while to like, you know, actually stop doing what he was doing. <laughs> took yeah, longer I than I would have hoped for. Longer than he felt comfortable. Yeah. 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 But I did think it was, and I don't know if it was an intentional, but you you always have to think about um, sexuality in horror films. And I did just think it was interesting that, you know, Marcy's breasts were transformed from objects of sexuality. I hate to, I'm so, I don't mean it that way. You know what I mean. I mean, they were, right? Objects like... of sexuality to objects of basically disease yeah um and we could you know talk you know what what what's the message there i mean you know is is eve guilty all over again i don't know (laughs) well it Um, it seems like at least for the women in this sex is the catalyst for how things get worse for them. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, Marcy was sick before she had sex with Paul, but we don't know it. We don't know how right. sick she was until Paul um, screws her. Um, sorry, I'm just... (laughs) It's it's getting late. (laughs) Yeah. And we normally... So we normally tape at like uh, nine in the morning, two in the afternoon, and it's now 7.30 at night, and I'm like an hour away from bedtime. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can we talk also... So let's talk a little bit about some of those other horror tropes like this guy Connor also known as Grim uh who shows up and he's like hey you guys partying first of all fuck no I don't care how big your bag of weed is no we were having a private party here bye bye but they did they had mentioned like no weed, no something. What are you? No weed, no video games. What are you gonna do all weekend? And it's like, oh, okay. So that was something that they wanted. But you would think that being from the city, they would have talked to their dealer before leaving town. But yeah, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah. So that character, you know, this is he appears very early in the film. They're just. Uh, um, this is it's before it's before cousin Henry mm-hmm. has appeared. So they're just you know they've made a fight they've made a bonfire they're just kind of settling in, chilling out. And this was another one of the jump scares. This guy Grim, um, as which you know as in Grim Reaper, which he you know uh, takes the time to to be sure yeah. people understand, <laughs> um, appears out of nowhere. You know, weird guy with his dog. Um, they, I think there's just like a certain thing like, yeah, you're not going to be rude off the bat. Okay, sure, come, you know, hang out with us. Uh, but he's already proving to be quite strange. 
uh, like you said, you know, they're ready to like for him to move on his way. And then I guess, I guess part of the lesson is, is that, you know, uh, uh, when, when, uh, in a horror movie, when death is coming for you, it is going to tempt you with what it, it knows that you want, um, first. And that's how it, that's how it gets invited in. And so he, yeah, like you said, he brings up this huge bag of weed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think my favorite character, honestly, is Mr. Mambo, the dog. Yeah, until he, like, gets infected with the virus, and then we've got our Cujo reference. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he does, you know, give Marcy a grisly death, and was munching on Karen a little bit, so... Yeah. This is what was... This is one, one more thing about the, so yeah, like Marcy basically ends up face to, literally face to face in the end uh-huh. uh, with this rabid dog that has been threatening them on and off throughout the entire film. And she's basically just come on, you know, bring it. And we don't see her death on screen. We just hear, you know, there's like a, a, uh, um, a distant shot of like the cabin in the lake and then we hear her scream but I thought one of the funny thing I, 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 well you know funny as these things go one of the right. funny things was that when Jeff finally comes out of uh, the, this little like shack where he's quarantined himself and drank all the beer and that's this is like he comes out and discovers you know like oh my god all these people are dead he looks down at basically what just looked like pulls of flesh on the ground and doesn't he like say, Marcy? Oh. And I'm like, there wasn't enough of Marcy left. What, how, what did I miss? So you missed that she had these tattoos, right? And there was a tattoo on her forearm that said something. I don't know what it said, but there was her part of her forearm with the tattoo on it laying on the ground. So okay. I, I don't must know. have literally like that was the moment that I looked down to write a note. <laughs> right, exactly. And I exactly. missed that. And then I look up and I'm like, how the hell does he know that's what you're saying? <laughs> right. This pile of goo yeah. yeah i mean um, i guess when you love somebody you know you would just you you yeah, would you... even recognize their entrails on the sidewalk you know oh, <laughs> gross um, he, that brings new meaning to loving someone inside and out yes yes it does <laughs> so i i did write down so at one point they put karen into a, the boat shed oh, and God. say let's they were going to keep her in the bedroom and then they were talking about well we can't keep her in the house with us and she ends up coming down from the bedroom and was like don't even bother I'll walk myself out there she hears the conversation yeah. she's like fine I'll walk myself out there and this is still kind of when they have hope that they're going to be able to save her to some extent. Um, and I felt like that being left alone in quarantine really hit hard. Um, especially considering the type of death 
that COVID would cause. Um, I, I like at least in Tennessee, people are still able to get into hospitals and things like that. But you know, in more populated areas like New York City or uh, San Francisco, LA, like uh, that's a real fear that they would send you away and that you would um, send you away from the hospital and that you would have to die alone in your house in quarantine. Um, I feel like, so I knew something was going to happen when we see Karen's phone on the mattress with her at towards the end of the movie. Um, and then we see Paul comes back and he's going to shoot Karen except for the gun doesn't work. And then he picks up a shovel and tries to, I guess, decapitate her with the, the big old spade. Yeah, because she's begging him to kill her at this point. Just like, please kill me, please kill me. Yeah, she's, she's, she's in bad shape. Yeah, she's in so much pain, she's like, you know, let me go. Um, and he misses and, like, hits her in the mouth. Yeah. Uh, which I think was just a, you know, extra little gore thing um and then he ends up setting the boathouse on fire yeah he sets her i mean he's like that that's like part of the thing too about like these really bad these really bad choices it's like look if someone is begging for you to kill them choose a method that is going to kill them in the fastest way possible so baiting someone in the mouth uh is is not gonna do it it doesn't do it and so then yeah he sets her on fire which is harkens back of course to the unintentional right um, I mean, I get, I guess it was largely, I mean, it was, but it wasn't. I mean, that's how they killed cousin, damn it. Now I can't remember. Cousin name. Henry. Cousin Henry is, you know, they get scared and they're trying to get him away and they, they set him on fire and it's right. like, now here's, it happens again. And I think Karen was the one that like picked up the bottle of, uh, lighter fluid and was spraying it at cousin Henry and her reason, it, it seemed like her reason for spraying him was like the same way you would put a hose on somebody trying to shock him out of it. Um, not, she didn't have like a lighter there that she then threw on him. Um, but what I did find funny was the local guys coming in later and are going to kill Paul after he sets the place on fire. Oh no. Somehow Paul gets away, right? And then the locals start chasing him. Okay, so the locals end up back at the uh, campsite with Paul and he takes out the assault rifle. They've already shot Bert in the head. He takes out the assault rifle and it's not working, even though it didn't work with Karen either. 
but he it's not you know it doesn't shoot and then they go ha 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 the safety's on and i was like come on <laughs> the old the old uh, the safety's on and paul says oh thanks and then mows him down right so yeah thank you for yeah you you just articulated your own demise (laughs) (laughs) right right and then paul walks away and takes the locals trucks and then manages to oh it's because his hand is infected then he wrecks the truck like almost immediately and then we see the return of deputy winston Yes. And uh, Deputy Winston, she's hanging out. I think they're other tourists because the one guy, like, they just dress kind of preppy. And the one guy's playing the guitar. And she seems to, like, want to be preying on these, uh, like, locals that are out there as couples trying trying to, you know, initiate a threesome. What so I must have been writing this down when what happened with the guitar? How did he end up smashing the guitar over his girlfriend's head? Oh, I think that I, I literally think it was one of those things where like Paul ducked or got out of the way. Oh. And then and then the, the rest of the follow-through with the guy swinging the guitar is that he hit his, he hit his girlfriend cause she was there. <laughs> so, yeah. This was another group of, you know, just apparent innocence out in the woods, you know, and that another potential of people who are encountered who maybe can help. And, and none of those, none of those ever pan out for anybody in this movie um, at all. I thought it was interesting like, you know, the, 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 the different paths and the different solutions and the individual dramas with each of the characters, I actually thought the film did a good job with that. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of situations where um, you would have two characters in a scene and one was very clearly expressing one perspective about how hopeful that they felt that they were going to get out and the other the opposite there were two scenes like that one early on when jeff and bert first set out for help and that's when they encounter the woman who is like gutting that the the diseased hog um (laughs) They're walking through the woods before they have found anyone, and one of them is like, I just feel like we're going to get lost, and the, and and Jeff is like, we're not going to get lost, um, and there was another scene like that as well, where one character was just basically like, we're not going to make it, and the other character is like, yes, yes, we are, and, you know, whether, whether you're, whether you are faced with mortal danger or you are in a situation where you're talking to a friend and maybe the issue is it could be anything it's just normal life stuff you know and and that's kind of the beauty of um 
of um, you know people when we get together. It's like when one is when one is down, you know the other um, can lift can lift the other one up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it might be that like a day or two later the tables are turned and it's 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 the other person is able to be the consoling voice and yeah I think that's that's pretty beautiful. Yeah, sort of, sort of the balance there, and whether they meant to write that in or not, um, it's pretty nice. I gotta say, I think that um, you kind of pointed this out before in how everybody's just making really bad choices, but back when Bert. Uh, so we very beginning of the movie we've already met the the guys at the locals and one says it's my civic duty to warn you be careful out there Lyme disease is really bad check each other for ticks if you're looking for fun you've come to the wrong place Mm -hmm. and then we find that they have no service no internet no tv even though everything looks normal and beautiful and pristine and then Bert brings out the, the assault rifle and like almost and nearly lights the campsite on fire and yeah. like shoots a guy. And the note that I wrote down to myself is, is the scary part how stupid these people are? That is a really good point. I don't. Th- I think that my mind had started to go, started to go there, and hadn't been fully articulate what you just said. But yeah, because it's like it's almost like it was almost like this bull in a china shop. Yeah. Kind of effect. I mean, it's like how good God. I mean, how how little control do you have? Uh, over your own actions and behavior that at any point, you know, you just could like, like you said, burn the place down, shoot some, but it's just, it was human beings being very careless and clumsy and stupid. Yeah. And, you know, in the face of this very dangerous thing that, um, like there's no fighting it. There's no you can't take an assault rifle to a flesh eating virus. You know right. you can't. Um, it just. I think that was what was so frustrating is that like very early on they could have uh, avoided a lot of the issues and. You know, if they had actually, okay, the Jeep is dead and let's just walk, everybody, let's all go together. We just walk out of here. Yeah. Uh, You know, everything would have been fine. I guess, you know, that's stupid to say, though, because then we wouldn't have had the you know, then there would be no movie, right? But right. that it always comes down to that. You know, yeah. it's sort of like, well, they had to be dumb because otherwise we wouldn't have <laughs> this, this picture. Yeah. Um, there were a couple of 
quote, there were a couple of quotes that really stood out to me. Um, early on, um, you know, shit, shit has not gone down yet. Uh, again, they're, they're, it's, it's early, they're around the campfire. And Paul tells this story about, <laughs> and, which you don't, you don't ever, you're never really quite sure whether it was true or not. Uh-uh. But like this traumatic thing that happened in his childhood um, about this bowling alley that he and his dad used to like to go to. And um, um, once, you know, it was the normal Saturday and they were supposed to go and the dad's like, uh, yeah, we can't go. Well, the reason they couldn't go is because there had been a disgruntled employee who basically <laughs> killed every, went on a killing spree and killed everyone. And then you get this hint that it's like, was this a true story or or no, did this actually happen? Uh-huh. One of the comments they make is that, and I think it's Paul, he says, he says something like, you know, they, they start talking about trauma and it's like trauma binds people together, uh-huh. but it's like, well, it only binds them together if they have shared the experience. So the story about the bowling alley isn't necessarily going to bond these friends on the, at the fire, but I did think that, you know, it kind of set up things later, like trauma can bind people together, uh, but it can also split them apart as well. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And what I didn't understand about that is that, like, none of the people at the bowling alley survived, so, and he didn't actually experience it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like he was, you know out in the snack bar eating tater tots while this was like, it was like a, <laughs> you know, a secondhand story. Anyways, it was a yeah, way that, for him to, for them to talk about trauma. Yeah. And the effect of some, how, how like a negative event affects people. And there was, there was another, uh, there was another scene. It was kind of like, I don't know how many appearances that the, the rabid dog, I mean, <laughs> right. the, the virus rabid dog had made at this point. Uh-huh. But I mean, it's like clearly, I hate to say it, but it was clearly a situation where like, you, you got to shoot this dog or it's going to kill you. Um, and, and who, I don't know if it was Bert or whoever it was, all of a sudden doesn't want to use this gun that everybody's just loving to shoot up like a party favor. Um, (laughs) and the rationale is like, well, what if I miss wounded animals are two times as dangerous. And I kind of, I kind of, you know, I thought about that quote as the film progressed, like as people get more afraid as there is more danger, as it becomes a situation where it's, it, it just, you know, perhaps out of necessity is more about individual survival right. than, than group, um, you know, than the, our more primal, more primal behaviors come out. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, yeah. I had not thought of that, but, um, the yeah there were and it's weird too because i think it was jeff who either like he just couldn't make the shot 
or because you see the bullets like pinging off of the rocks next to the dog either he couldn't make the shot and he was using well you know a wounded animal animal is two times as dangerous or he like just didn't want to kill the dog because dogs are our friends right dogs are our companions and i like i i've not been in one of these situations thankfully but like i i think that when the dog is clearly showing signs that it's trying to eat you you know maybe it's okay you might have to yeah you could live with yourself you could rationalize that one but yeah, I'm and not saying that, that killing dogs uh, is okay. I don't mean no, <laughs> no. And, and as a matter of fact, whenever, whenever, um, whenever animals seem to die like unnecessarily in horror films, it just kind of pisses me off. You know, it's like I think about back to the original Halloween 1978. Why did Lester have to die? Poor I mean, Lester. Was a, bothering anyone but yeah so yeah yeah the last thing i i personally wanted to say about this well two things one is like this movie had like four endings basically Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there were four situations each one each one of which could have been the end of the film so you've got you've got um you've got jeff you know, he's like, oh, my God, I'm going to make it. Then he gets shot in the head. Yeah. Um, and then Paul, um, who is alone in the woods, um, <clears throat> he he gets shot, right? No. No, I think he just dies. He just dies. And then there's, like, I know there's four. There's another one that I can't remember. And then the way the movie ends, if I remember correctly, is there's like some random shot going back to the city. Uh-huh. Um, you see a girl in her bedroom. She's clearly one of the friends of this group of five who has gone to stay in this cabin. She is looking at the early social media posts that Karen has made when everybody's happy and having a good time. Right. And then all of a sudden you see those shots that Karen took when she was in the cabin dying, yeah, uh, including uh, a shot of Paul with the shovel raised up in the air right before he, you know, you know, blades her in the face, and I just thought, what an interesting way to end this movie. Yeah, that, that of, of all the ways of all those different scenes prior where that could have been the end, that it's that it's that it's that one. What did right. you think about that? Yeah, a quick note, the fourth way that it ends is all the cops out there cleaning up the body parts. Yes, Um, yes. And the bodies of the locals. Um, Yeah, I thought that that, like, sort of exit credit thing was, was weird. I mean, it occurs to me now that it's, like... Well, the trauma doesn't, it's not contained. And because of how connected we are, it's, it's going to spread. Um, 
the girl who's looking at this is very obviously upset by it. Um, I can't tell if she goes and like vomits. My thought, honestly, when I was watching it was like, where are the Facebook moderators? Why isn't that? (laughs) That's a good point. Why aren't those photos being flagged for, uh, you know, inappropriate content? But um, also, like, I just, I think that, you know, the idea that it it does, it's not contained. It doesn't, um, it doesn't just stay with those people. It doesn't die with them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, another thought, well, the one thought I did have, I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's, that is really the main thing. This other thought that I had was about um, how your perspective and the amount of information you have determines, like, your own personal, like, interpretation of a narrative about, about, about events that happen. Uh-huh. So she sees this picture and all she sees is, like, Paul about to, you know, basically commit an act of violence or murder. And if that's all you see, it's like, oh my God, you know, he went crazy uh-huh. and started killing people. Well, he had been, he had been requested to, right. <laughs> to do that, you know? And so it just made me kind of think about like, it's all at any given time. We don't have all of the information about a situation we have to do the best that we can to right. interpret and and derive meaning um, from from what we know. Um, and I mean, my my advice to I'll just give the advice to myself, but I, I think <laughs> it, it can apply to other people. Is just be be careful about how much you think you know and and what you think you can conclude about a situation and I, I think yeah. that applies to the um you know the pandemic that we're living under as well it's like let's everybody slow down slow down taking the information let's not be spreading a bunch of bullshit you know right um, right yeah so. yeah i mean there's um i think that that's a really good point about how much information is available plus where you're getting that information and what lenses it's being filtered through before you get it. Um, And yeah, and Karen's story on social media is I've, I'm beaten bloody and Bert's going to kill me. Whereas, Oh yeah, yeah, Paul. Um, whereas you know the the reality was a lot different, and yeah. um, it's a really good point. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, I don't really have much of a prescription other than stay inside and wear your mask. That's a good prescription. Yeah, that's a good prescription, and you know, um, yeah, I, I think. Um, you know, we're staying in, we're staying safe. Um, you know, we, as time goes on, um, hopefully guidance will be clear and informed about how much 
it makes sense for us to do and when and how soon and until then you know we just we got to stay this course yeah stay this course yeah um and it's rough but it you know it's it's what can be done you know we can only control what we can control also uh you know as far as the water is concerned the water systems are all safe you're not going to get covid from the water system so go ahead and drink the water <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's especially important to stay hydrated during this time yeah exactly, so, exactly. well it's uh it's been a pleasure final girl but yes it has i'm like yawning i'm so sorry um <laughs> and it, it is it is uh as always a pleasure to come to you guys out there who are who are listening to us as yeah. we, you know, wh- whether we are focused on a letter from a reader or doing a origin story or doing what we're doing now, which is taking a more, um, <laughs> t- you know, topical, <laughs> topical approach. Yeah. Um, Adapting appreci- to the times, I believe, is the. Uh... <laughs> yes. So we appreciate you guys out there and stay safe and take yeah. care and, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah. See you later. Bye. 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 Hey, final girls, final boys, and final non-binaries. Tamara and I are honored to be your dear Abbies of horror. But that's all we are. People struggling just like you. We're not professionals. If you're in crisis, please reach out. We like to promote the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at suicidepreventionlifeline.org, phone number one 800 273-8255. There's an online chat and they're even on Twitter. Their profile is The Lifeline and the handle is at 800-273-TALK. The Lifeline isn't just for life-threatening situations. It's free and confidential support for anyone who needs it at any time for any reason. Just know you're not alone. Tam and I wouldn't be doing this podcast if we hadn't been there too. Take care.